You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Hump Day, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I was just at the Rose Garden in the White House earlier this afternoon where President Trump hosted Polish President Duda. And they had a lot to talk about, dominating the headline, the discussions. German Chancellor Angela Merkel. The president not too happy with the Germans. We're going to break down all of the geopolitics regarding the policy of trade and also energy. The energy sector really rattled today as the president commenting on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. He's threatening sanctions. What does that all mean? Meanwhile, I also just spoke on Bloomberg Television with Mark Short, Vice President Mike Pence's chief of staff. He had a lot to say about trying to get Democrats, Democrats, Democrats in the House of Representatives to pass the USMCA or NAFTA 2.0. President Trump in the Rose Garden, by the way, said it was easier to deal with Mexico's government than to deal with those House Dems. My, how things change. Before we dive into that with an all-star panel, Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, he's going to call in coming up later on in the program. We've also got Brendan Buck and Richard Fowler, a Republican and Democrat alike, very savvy in the business community. It was a remarkable day in the Rose Garden. The president hosting Polish President Duda at the White House. They had a press conference, and I'm so thrilled to help me navigate through the developments of this press conference in the Rose Garden that we've got two policy and political all-stars. Brendan Buck, former spokesman and advisor to House Speaker Paul Ryan. Now he's a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media, JDA Frontline. Richard Fowler, he's a nationally syndicated radio host, a Fox News contributor, and a Democratic strategist, and we're thrilled to have him. All right, so three big takeaways. We've got trade, two different trade fronts, trade with Mexico, trade with China, and then we've got this issue of uh, the energy market in Europe. So let's start with Mexico. Uh, Brendan, the president said, I was really struck by this, the president said in the Rose Garden, he's got a better relationship with Mexico right now than he does with House Democrats. I mean, you can't make it up. He inks this some sort of an agreement with the Mexican government 
and says that they've got a 45-day window for them to make good on helping the United States at the U.S.-Mexico border, or he's going to tack on tariffs. And right now, he says things look pretty good. Here's the president talking about his relationship with Mexico. The president of Mexico and I have a very, very excellent relationship. We spoke. uh, His people uh, were here for two and a half, three days, working intensively on the agreement. And I think it's going to mean a lot of a lot fewer people coming up. So does the president really prefer to deal with Mexico than Speaker Pelosi? Let's check back on this in a week and see how he's feeling at that (laughs) point. I mean, yeah, it's your head spinning the way he goes back and forth on these things. Um, Well, look, the the issue with Mexico, I I, I don't imagine this is over with. I imagine in 45 days, if not sooner, we're going to be talking about this again because he loves to hold these threats over people. Um, I think personally it is incredibly self-destructive. I think that he is not only threatening the greatest thing that he has going for him to get reelected, which is the economy, but he's also threatening his number one legislative priority, which is supposed to be this new NAFTA, the U.S.-Mexico trade agreement, Canada trade agreement. Um, at some point, it's going to get, it is going to become too difficult to work with Democrats to get this done. This was a big lift in the first place. Um, you know, trade with Democrats is never easy. When I was working for Paul Ryan, we passed the Trade Promotion Authority Act, which is what gave us the ability to get this trade agreement. It was President Obama's number one legislative priority, and we got 28 Democrats to vote for it. So you're, you know, you're talking about uh, a party that fundamentally rejects a lot of you know, the tenets of free trade and, and what it means to do this. Now, maybe in a new, this new bizarro world we're living in, Democrats are embracing trade a little more than they were before. But this is a big lift, and, and I think that he, he needs to um, – they need to certainly double down their efforts to, to, to work with them if they're going to get this done. Definitely a big lift. Mark Short, he's chief of staff to Vice President Mike Pence, just spoke with him literally in the last half hour on Bloomberg Television. He says that they have the votes, that they have the votes – in the House of Representatives, this according to the White House whip count. But it's up to Speaker Pelosi if she feels this is a deal that, that they want to move on. All right, switching gears now. That's one trade issue, the U.S. and Mexico, Richard. Then we've got to take a look at China. Here's what the president had to say about the trade relationship with China ahead of his one-off meeting with President Xi Jinping at the G20 in just a few weeks. Here he is. We're taking in billions and billions of dollars, which we never took in before. The tariffs are have uh, been you know, very strong. We have 25% of $250 billion, and tremendous money is flowing into our Treasury. And what I find fascinating, Richard, here is that President Trump is trying to make the case that tariffs are actually a good thing. It's a very interesting case, though, that the president is trying to make here, and I think he's uh, he's an uphill battle in making it. And I think you have to look at both this me- what's happening in Mexico and what's happening in China. You can't look at them separately because you can't see either of them in a vacuum. Um, and, I agree, uh, and it's hard. I mean, and, and it's hard not to to talk. Yeah, go ahead. I agree, totally agree. Because I mean, I think what you have here is the Mex the Mexico U.S. trade relationship is what undergirds five million jobs. It cost if there were tariffs to be put on Mexico, it would cost each individual household on average nine hundred dollars. Um, so it's a real, real, real big thing. But if we do not have some sort of free trade something with Mexico, it really hampers our ability and our, our negotiation leverage with China. Because for us, we're walking into these China negotiations with this one strength, is we have a, the economic tools. What China has in, for, in their advantage is they have the political tools, right? Because they are an authoritarian government, so they don't have to, don't have to worry about political approval. They can sort of do what they will. What President Trump has going for him is he has strong economic indicators. With that being said, the longer this trade war prolongs, the political implications for China will remain, and our economic 
economic situations will get uniquely worse. Brendan, when you look at the Republican political map, have you noticed that there's been any type of movement or any angst beyond just the the rhetoric of, of being anti-tariff? Are there, is there any political movement or, or any Republicans who would be at risk to losing a seat or something or whatnot, or is it still too early to tell? Um, I don't know if there's anyone who's at risk of losing a seat. I mean, the people that are getting hurt the most are some of these deep red rural districts where agriculture is really important. Those districts probably aren't going to flip. Um, you know, the, the ones that are battlegrounds are more in the suburbs. We frankly lost all of those already. Um, but I think to the to the broader question of is he going to be end up end up inflicting economic uh, harm on the country and therefore hurting his best argument for reelection, possibly, if we keep going down this route. I mean, so far, the story is still good on the economy. But if you keep playing this game and, and, and we go deeper into a fight with Mexico, who, who knows what could happen? I think you're right. And I think, to, I mean, I think, you know, this idea. I just made Brendan Buck and Richard Fowler agree. No, I mean, I think on trade, I, listen, and I wouldn't say that Dem- I, I would say as a Democrat, I'm not anti-trade. I just want fair trade. Uh, and I think the president, when he ran for when he ran on this mission and this ideal and this notion of fair trade. Uh, and I think what we're seeing here is unfair impacts happening for farmers. Not only farmers, they're not alone. I mean, truckers are getting hit pretty hard right now because not as much imports are coming in from, from, the, from our West Coast that has to come to the East Coast. So there's real impacts here that the president's sort of just saying, you know, I'm going to overlook these impacts, but they're really hurting people. And that's why when you look at some of these polls, his approval rating is down double digits in Michigan. It's down double digits in Wisconsin, according to a morning console poll, because these voters are the ones reaping the impacts, right? And they're carrying the burden of this prolonged trade war with China. All right, coming up, we got to get to the the real beef of the day. Did you guys hear about this? German Chancellor Angela Merkel essentially, like, forget about Speaker Pelosi for a second. The one politician in the world that President Trump really went after today was German Chancellor Angela Merkel, all but threatening sanctions. Uh, We don't know against which country, but firing a political warning shot against the Germans regarding the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, he says it's going to make Berlin, quote unquote, captive to Moscow. We'll break that down for you coming up next. Panel stays. Brendan Buck, Richard Fowler. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli on a beautiful day here in Washington, D.C. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HQ Baltimore. They shouldn't buy it. Or if they want to, they can. But that's really a decision of Germany. I'm not saying that I would be in favor. I think the German people aren't very happy about it. Because it really makes Germany a hostage of Russia. If things ever happened that were bad. That was President Trump speaking earlier today about Germany, about German Chancellor Angela Merkel regarding the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Remember, that's the pipeline that's being proposed to be built that would really put energy from Russia into Europe. Uh, And the president threatening sanctions against whom? We don't know. He says he's going to meet with Russia President Vladimir Putin at a one-off during the G20 summit coming up just, I think, like two weeks now in Osaka, Japan. 
Here with me to break down the politics and the policy, Richard Fowler. He's a nationally syndicated radio show host, a Fox News contributor, Democratic strategist. And Brendan Buck, former spokesman and advisor to House Speaker Paul Ryan. Now he's a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline. Brendan, you went on a CODEL to, to Poland, uh, and, and we were talking in the break about the policy regarding the Nord Stream 2 uh, and the president's position on this. Walk me through it. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't certainly don't condone uh, the president attacking one of our allies in, in Germany as he's doing it. But if you look past some of the the rhetoric, the the policy here that he's and and the, and the uh, embrace uh, or at least getting Poland to embrace us is flatly a good thing that we should be happy. Poland is in a, a difficult region; they get pushed around. Uh, by Russia a lot, and there's been a lot of concern recently about the Polish leaders. They've been cracking down on the press. They've been cracking down on the sort of independent judiciary, and there's been some current about sort of slippage from democratic ideals. And so the fact that we can bring him here, have the president wrap his arms around him in sort of American ideals, and push back, frankly, against Russia. This is one of those crazy things where the president usually, you know, what he says on Russia isn't, isn't often great. But here's another example of what he's actually doing on Russia is actually pretty good, uh, firm, tough policy. Listen, I, I would agree that the, in the ideal of keeping Poland close to us is one thing. I'm just not sure if that in the meeting that was happened, that happened between the president uh, and the prime minister, there was conversations about why he should preserve the press and he should protect the independence of the court well, because actually, our president's a horrible example of all of those I things. I got to jump in here because actually our colleague in the White House press corps, Kirsten Wagner over at NBC, she asked President Duda about what's been going on over there regarding the, uh, the limiting the, the, the Supreme Court of Poland. Uh, and asked if President Trump agreed with that. And President Trump flatly answered no. So it was pretty interesting to show the divide. I want to bring in uh, a, a new guest. We are thrilled that she's joining us before she has to jump on a flight to Charleston, South Carolina. Akuna Cook, she is the founding executive director of the Black Economic Alliance. They've got this new nationwide survey out focused exclusively on the economic priorities for African Americans, and they've got a presidential forum later this week in South Carolina, which is where you're literally going, Akuna, right after, right after this. If I, if I can, if I, if you miss your flight, it's all my fault. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Tell me about your survey uh, and what you found in your survey. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here. Um, so, for your listeners that might not be familiar with the Black Economic Alliance, this was an organization that was started by a group of black executives to really make sure that the political system becomes accountable to the black community, especially around work, wages, and wealth. These are individuals who have been giving you know, money to politics and supporting candidates and, and elected officials for years, and we're really frustrated that the black community seem to either be taken for granted or ignored. And so our organization is focused on advancing these policies, and this poll is a big part of that. And they like Biden. So the poll shows that there is, uh, you know, we, we polled the seven candidates who were invited to the forum. We selected the top-tier candidates uh, based on their polling in early states. Um, but it's clear that all of the candidates have to be speaking to these issues. Um, and that's not quite, quite clear yet because the, you know, all the candidates are still developing their plans. Um, and, yes, Biden is uh, polling at the top, but I think that you'll also see that uh, a lot of these candidates are polling strongly and at different 
uh, levels depending on how familiar uh, voters are with them. Akuna Cook is here. She is the founding executive director of the Black Economic Alliance. Richard, I'm looking at this uh, this survey that they have out. Uh, they're going to host a forum in South Carolina, and the top-tier Democratic presidential candidates are going to go to it. Healthcare is the top policy issue among these Democratic voters, regardless of race. But the memo's accompanying polls, according to Politico, stress that black Americans feel they're facing significant economic challenges in their own communities. If the economy, we were talking about this earlier with Brendan Buck, if the economy holds up, though, if the unemployment's still low, I mean, you know, is that is that going to help the president or or, or, or what? Amongst you, black voters or amongst? Amongst, amongst black voters. Well, I, I think it's interesting that, that polls show that um, health care was a number one issue, right? Because when you talk to, there's a recent poll that came out talking to African-American mothers. And when you talk to them, what they, what sort of what they point to as one of the reasons for their success in this new Trump economy is the benefits of the Affordable Care Act. Either some were allowed to get jobs in health care because of the expansion of health care. Two was the fact that they actually had access to health care, so they were allowed to go out and get work. They had the burden of paying for health care was taken away from them, so they used that extra money to contribute to other household needs. So the president sort of going against the Affordable Care Act sort of speaks to why black voters are sort of against him. So I, so I do want to and, and uh, point folks to the poll, which shows that health care... Uh, college affordability and access to jobs mm. were actually all polled evenly, um, and I think that's reflective of the fact that yes, healthcare and rising healthcare concerns, uh, college affordability, and the rising debt. Those affect all Americans, although there are acute uh, effects on the black community. But this particular issue around whether or not black communities are going to be ready for the jobs of the future was something that came up over and over again in our, in our focus groups. I think there's a real feeling because so many black Americans are over-indexed in low-paying, low-skilled jobs that are highly susceptible to automation if those uh, if that community is actually not retrained for new jobs, half of those jobs, if even half of those uh, black Americans are displaced, you could see the black unemployment rate skyrocket from a little over 7% to over 20% in the next few years. And many of those jobs, Kevin, are connected. They come with health care benefits, right? So when you talk about health care, there's real implications when a factory shuts down and these workers can't go anywhere else. Brendan Buck, Republican strategist, former communications director to the former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. I mean, I hear these issues that are being described, and they're the exact same issues as rural Americans. Sure, and, and, and particularly the workforce development issues. I mean, that's huge no matter uh, what part of the country you're from. Um, I'd be curious, is this the first time you've done this poll? Have you been able to see any sort of trend in how this is over time? We've not done a poll this extensive um, before, but we did a poll last fall right before the midterms that found that these were basically the same issues. So we knew that health care was, was a top concern, college affordability was a top concern, jobs was a top concern. And so I think that that holds. Um, but what's really important to understand is that although the economy overall seems to be, uh, you know, trending in the right direction, the black community still feels that that's not trickling down to our communities. An overwhelming majority in the survey said that they don't feel that they can dream is accessible. And so I think that with that, we really need to be pushing these candidates to focus on the policies that will make the American dream accessible for all Americans again. Coming up, Akuna Cook talks South Carolina politics ahead of that big Charleston, South Carolina uh, conference forum with the top tier Democratic candidates, plus what Joe Biden has to say about trade policy. Breaking news on the Bloomberg Terminal headline, Hope Hicks, remember her? Hope Hicks agrees to June 19th 
House Judiciary Committee interview. That according to Jerry Nadler, the chairman of that committee. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. It was a remarkable day at the White House as we navigate through the various headlines coming out of the Rose Garden press conference with President Trump. Meanwhile, headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak, as we speak. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin saying he'd like the debt ceiling to be part of the budget deal. Hope Hicks is going to testify on June 19th before the House Judiciary Committee, according to the committee's chairman, Jerry Nadler. Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, he's going to call in to help us sort through all of that. But we still got Akuna Cook here in studio, along with Richard Fowler, a Democratic strategist, Brendan Buck, former spokesman to Paul Ryan. Now he's over at Blue Engine. Uh, and okay, you're the founding executive director of the Black Economic Alliance. We were talking about some of the economic issues that are uh, and priorities for African-American voters in this upcoming election. It is such a crowded, crowded Democratic presidential primary field. There's like 20 million people running for president or something like that. And you're headed to Charleston after this. Tell us about what you're going to be doing in Charleston, South Carolina this week. Yes, yeah, so we're really excited. We decided that one of the key ways to make sure that these issues um, around uh, economic progress in black communities were going to be central to the conversation was to gather the top tier uh, candidates in, in South Carolina to talk about it. Um, we know that South Carolina is a hugely important state given its demographics, but also the way that these issues really resonate with uh, citizens there. And so we invited the uh, candidates as soon as they hit a 3% threshold polling threshold in the early states. Um, we are pleased that Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Cory Booker, and Beto O'Rourke will be joining us uh, on a, for, for the forum, moderated by Soledad O'Brien. It will be broadcast on uh, BET the next day, and so we're excited Is to Biden have this conversation. Uh, no, Vice President Biden will not be there, um, but we anticipate that we will, you know, at some point have a conversation with him about these issues. Richard Fowler, Democratic strategist, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren. She's got to navigate this Native American issue question, but she's actually been doing pretty well, polling pretty well with African-Americans. Why do you think that is? Can she put this Native American issue behind her? Uh, I think we'll have to wait to see uh, where you can put it behind her. I think she's doing well amongst. I think Elizabeth Warren is sort of she's she's gotten her some she has gotten her campaign stride, and I think as people are starting to pay more and more attention to the twenty 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 field, 
Elizabeth Warren is coming out as sort of this ideas candidate, the big ideas candidate. And if you were a Bernie supporter and you realize that Bernie doesn't have a shot to win this nomination, then you're sort of jumping ship and saying Elizabeth Warren gives you all the progressive ideas and she's a newer face than Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Bernie Buck is smiling right Bernie now. Bernie is sort of a, a victim of his own success, right? Yes. Like he totally changed the dynamic in the, in the Democratic in Party. Everybody now adopted his ideas, and all that's left is just like the angry old white guy when you could have the ideas without that. And so now, I think that's what you're seeing happen with Elizabeth Warren. And that was, a, I call- was a nicer way. Of, that was a, a, <laughs> oh, like a, I was trying to be nice. He was very yeah. screwed about what I said. Well, well Fred Buck, Demi- <laughs> he's not a Democrat, but like maybe he's like, you know. He's right. I just yeah. I was trying to be nice about it. <laughs> yeah, nice about wait, wait. But this whole issue, I mean, Bernie Sanders today gave this speech on like, Embracing social. Did you guys see this? The defense of socialism. The def- speech. He defended socialism. Richard Fowler, is that a good thing for Democrats? Well, I think this is what happens when you have a field with 20 some odd candidates and you're trying to sort of be the shiny penny in a pond in a wishing well, right? So you're like, well, but let is me socialism be a shiny penny? I'm not, I don't think socialism is a shiny penny for where the. I, I think if you look at the Democratic electorate now, uh, and I think what you have is you have some candidates who are just focused on the primaries and you have other candidates who are looking forward and forward facing to the 2020 election. The candidates that are forward facing the 2020 election, I think, will fare better um, in the primary, because I think what if you look at all the states, all three states of the first three states that have primaries or caucuses, the number one issue for voters is electability. I'm biased. I grew up in Delco, outside of Philly, so I think Pennsylvania politics are always the most. But even in Pennsylvania, in voters are saying are always the most interesting in the country. But South Carolina politics are always brawl. I mean, Republicans, Democrats, they know how to fight in South Carolina. Brendan Buck, can Elizabeth Warren really? say that she's to the middle of Bernie Sanders? Because she's saying that she's not a socialist. Well, And that's the big difference. She's like one tick to the middle of Bernie, but still to the left of Biden. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she is setting herself up well to become the anti-Biden choice. So if you, there was a poll that came out this week that showed that 65% of Democrats just, the most important thing for them is somebody who can beat Trump. And only 30% was that their ideas are, are consistent with their own, with the, with the voters' own ideas. Well, well I will say uh, uh, that in our poll, we found uh, a significant majority of people who said that having a plan that would address these economic issues would increase significantly their, their chances of supporting a candidate. And so I think what you're seeing is that to the extent that candidates are coming forward and showing that they're actually serious about putting forward pragmatic implementable solutions to these problems, you're seeing them get support. And I think that that's, you know, yeah. that's starting a trend. And I think that she's taking, um, I think my point is that she's taking that lane and she is, uh, Joe Biden is the only person in that other lane. Yeah. And so I think everyone else is fighting to be, because Joe Biden's basically said, you guys can go and be the progressive heroes if you want to. I'm not going to play that game. I'm just here to beat Trump. You know what's fascinating is when, whenever I've interviewed Brendan Buck about Republicans, you have to be like so... Not, I mean, calculating about like what you say, given the dynamics oh, of no, the Republican no, Party. No, but now about Democrats, it's like filter is off. He can <laughs> say whatever he wants. Filter's off here on Sound On. Akuna Cook, you have a flight to catch. Good luck in Charleston, South Carolina. Be sure to tell us all about it. Coming up, Senator Thank Ben you. Cardin. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. 
I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're awaiting Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland. We're going to check in with him to talk about tariffs. We were talking about tariffs earlier. President Trump holding a press conference at the Rose Garden earlier today. He says that he's really considering increasing tariffs against the Chinese. He likes what's going on with Mexico. He's hit the pause button on there. With me in studio, we've got Brendan Buck. He is former spokesman and advisor to House Speaker Paul Ryan. He's a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline. And we also have Richard Fowler, a Democratic strategist, nationally syndicated radio show host and Fox News contributor. Richard, did you see or did you hear? I mean, I saw it. It was at the White House. The F-35 that flew over. Did you hear the? I did not because I live on the other side of town. Um, far, like I live behind the Capitol, not close to the White House, so I didn't hear it. <laughs> and that's what my office Brandon? is as well. I saw it on social media. It, it was thrilling. Uh, it's, you know what? You know what? It was, it, it, it was not thrilling. It, it was not thrilling to watch that on social media. It was thrilling for me to actually witness the roaring thunder. The roaring thunder of the F-35 flying over Washington as a sign of military strength and that the Polish just bought these, so which is why the whole thing happened. It was like a military thing. Senator Ben Cardin's on the line. He just got off the Senate floor. He's a Democrat from Maryland. Senator, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Oh, it's good to be with you. Thank you very much. So I got to ask you, what are you hearing from your constituents about these tariffs and how are they impacting your constituents? I had a meeting this afternoon with one of our major companies located in Maryland uh, telling me that the, the retaliatory tariffs will have a major impact on their profitability and their ability to continue to manufacture certain products. So very much uh, it's affecting Maryland businesses. It's affecting our farmers. It's affecting our manufacturers. It's affecting our consumers. It's going to cost consumers more uh, to, for their normal uh, needs. So. Clearly, uh, the tariffs are going to be paid for by Americans. Uh, this is not the way that we should be raising these issues. There's a better way to do it, uh, but there will be a cost associated uh, with, to our economic growth as a result of the tariffs. Senator Ben Cardin, he's a Democrat representing the state of Maryland. He joins us on the line. We're talking all things tariffs. Uh, President Duda of Poland, he was at the White House today. You're on the Commission on Security and Cooperation in Europe. Did you follow these developments about what the president said regarding the Nord Stream 2? And he's actually, I guess, considering sanctions against uh, some nations, maybe even Russia potentially, uh, because he feels that the Germans are being held captive, held hostage, his words, President Trump's words, to Russia regarding the Nord Stream 2. So let me uh, at least agree with the president to the extent that Russia will use energy as a weapon. Uh, and no question that they want to control uh, the uh, dependency on Russia-sourced energy uh, for influence over other countries. So the pipeline that's being talked about with Germany is not in our national security interest. Uh, I've had conversations with the Germans about this. Uh, and it's something that we would like to see change. But once again, the pr way the president's going about doing this uh, raises serious challenges for the United States national security. Uh, Germany is a very important ally of the United States. Uh, we need to work together. We don't want to isolate and divide Europe even more than it's already been divided through Brexit and other activities. So uh, I, I heard what the president said about removing some of our troops from Germany and putting them in Poland. I, I don't think that's going to uh, uh, 
uh, help our national security issues. It certainly will not change uh, the the German opinion on what to do with with their with their pipeline issues. Uh, I think we need to recognize that Europe has certain dependencies on energy, and we need to do a better job so that those energy sources come from friendly sources. Senator Ben Cardin, I know you're pressed for time. I just got one more question for you. He's a Democrat uh, from Maryland. We appreciate you calling in. You're on the Committee on Finance. You're also on the Committee on Foreign Relations. As you try to navigate the the impacts because it's uh, on trade to bring it home, especially with China ahead of the G20. What are you really going to be watching for in terms of how the president is negotiating on trade with the Chinese? The only way we're going to be successful in changing what's happening in China, and China is trying to use their economic power to dictate the rules for economic engagement. Uh, remember, this is a non-market economy, and they're trying to make their system the global system rather than as it has been uh, based upon the type of systems, free market systems like the United States. So we have to recognize that China is doing things that is that is very much against our uh, our interests and against global interests. The United States policy, doing it alone, is not going to change the equation. We need to work with our allies. And what I found most objectionable, by the way, the president engaged China, is that he first alienated our traditional trading partners with the steel and aluminum tariff using a national security 232 uh, authority to impose tariffs against our closest allies. That divided the, the uh, coalition uh, to work against uh, unfair trading practices from China. So when the president uh, t- started acting against China, it was unilateral. It didn't have the, the support uh, of, our, of our global uh, natural partners. Uh, that makes it much more challenging for us to be successful against China. So at this point, I don't think we've used the right leverage. Clearly, China does things that we cannot allow to continue. We need to take action against China. But the way the president has done it, to me, will not uh, result in the right uh, right course. Senator Ben Cardin, he's a Democrat from Maryland. I didn't realize this. You went to Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh and PA before you went to law school at University of Maryland. you got to love those Pittsburgh pierogies, Senator. Oh, absolutely. I love the. You're exactly right. Uh, I really enjoy the city of Pittsburgh, and I enjoy my experiences at the University of Pittsburgh. I talk about it frequently. I've been back many times, and the the community has changed pretty dramatically since my days at Pitt. And I'm a Penn Stater, so I'm always rooting for Penn State. But, you know, hey, it's Pennsylvania. Thank you, Senator. Appreciate the time. Joining us for Reaction, Richard Fowler, Democratic strategist, nationally syndicated radio show host, Fox News contributor. Brendan Buck, who was nodding his head in agreement, nodding his head in agreement to Senator Cardin, the former spokesman to Paul Ryan and partner of Blue Engine Message Media. You agree with him on... Well, uh, he was on my same wavelength on the president's actions on Poland and Russia. I mean, today he was standing up for Western values and standing up to Russia. And, you know, that's an encouraging thing to see. We don't see that necessarily every day with the president, particularly in his rhetoric. His actions, I think, have actually been relatively strong against Russia. But, and today, you know, it was another good action. All right. Thank you, guys. we got like a minute left. I, we got to touch on this. Don Jr. testified behind closed doors. He said he didn't perjure himself. And Hope Hicks is going to testify in, in, in June, I guess next week, June 19th. Uh, Richard, I mean, what do you say to people who are who have investigation fatigue? Uh, 
I would say for them to read the 448-page Mueller report. Um, in that Mueller report, I think Robert Mueller, in, especially in Volume 2, outlines seven or seven instances in which we, they think the president might have obstructed justice. And I think it's important that our members of Congress, through their oversight capacity, take a look at that. And I think in the United States Senate in particular, um, who's been a, the, the Senate Intelligence Select Committee on Intelligence has been very good at not making pol- using politics at this because they're really trying to figure out how we ensure that the Russians never engage in our elections again. Uh, and so every everybody, Democrats and public, should both cooperate with that investigation. All right, Richard Fowler, appreciate the time. Democratic strategist, nationally syndicated radio show host, Fox News contributor. What's your website? Uh, just check me out on check me out on Instagram, followshow.com. <laughs> well, obviously check it's followshow.com. Famous last words. Yeah, at Richard A. Fowler on Instagram. Hashtag Fowler Nation, right? Indeed. Brent, Brendan Butt, former <laughs> spokesman and advisor, House Speaker Paul Ryan, partner of Blue Engine Message and Media, and JDA Frontline. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on iTunes, Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, Radio.com, iHeart, and Spotify. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.